0: Don't be afraid to create something that you want for yourself because if there's something that I want to do and it sounds so out of the ordinary, it may not even touch law, it may not even have anything to do with it, but I want to work on something, just ask. I always say keep asking questions and keep trying new things because it changes the course of your own trajectory and your own skill set.
1: Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Our guest today is a lawyer who is armed with startup, fintech, drone tech, and other corporate experience and is using it to help change the lives of healthcare professionals across the globe. She is the senior managing counsel at FIGS, a healthcare e-commerce company that strives to improve the lives of healthcare professionals by creating innovative and functional medical apparel to improve confidence and performance. I cannot wait for you to hear about this lawyer who leads and the impactful work she is doing Welcome, Davika Tandon. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm awesome. excited to be here. So let's just dive right in. Totally. Tell me a little bit about what does leading in the law mean to you, both in your role today as well as in your experience in, in the legal field?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. To be a leader in law means to be an empathetic person. I think empathy is Absolutely critical in not just law, but anything that we do. But I do think it is a little bit more relevant to law just because we work in house with so many different teams. And so we don't want to sound like a stuck up lawyer or someone who knows more or who has the lingo that cannot be translated to others. And so having that empathy is important, right? Having that emotional intelligence, being able to work in tune with your colleagues, making it easier to build relationships, negotiate effectively, and even just drive success. I've noticed that having empathy in in all the work that you do truly makes you a better leader in your work, and everyday life.
1: I'd love to pull that apart a little bit. Yeah. Talk to me about empathy as it relates to internal operations. You talk about being able to speak to other individuals in a way that breaks down perhaps legal concepts or legal considerations that might not otherwise be understood by someone else in a different department. Yeah. How does empathy play into that and how is that panning out for you at FIGS?
0: Yeah, it's extremely important. So, my role at FIGS as senior managing counsel is sort of the face of legal, and so Every team will reach out to me when there's a legal question. It could be anything under the sun, right? So you have engineering, you have product, you have marketing, you have production, you have your design team, and a lot of them are stuck on a question or they're wondering, is this something that we can or cannot do? And our role as in-house counsel is to be a strategic business partner. It's not to say no right off the cuff, right? We don't want to be those roadblockers because at the end of the day, We want to continue to drive innovation in the company as much as anybody else. And so having that empathy or high emotional intelligence allows us as leaders in law or in the legal team to be able to think, okay, we have this question that's come from marketing, let's say, how do we work through it? Come up with solutions before we say anything and go to them and be able to explain the concepts, the considerations that you mentioned, or the principles, so that they understand it in sort of layman terms versus, you know, we all get caught up, unfortunately, as lawyers in the legal lingo. And it can be really confusing. And in-house, you have to be able to translate that into layman terms and just everyday business conversation with other teams. Otherwise, there could be just a bunch of different roadblockers. And that's why I think empathy really plays a big role in that because it allows you to understand what they're thinking or what their thought process is before you come to them with whatever answer for that question that they've come to you for.
1: There is a misnomer where people say, oh, well, in-house counsel, they're just here to say no to us. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes. What I hear you saying is you take a lot of time to think deeply about why people are coming to you? What is the business mm-hmm. consideration here? Mm-hmm. And how can you either work with them on that or explain to them respectfully and in a way that makes sense to this person who doesn't have maybe some background in the law, why things mm-hmm. need to work at perhaps a different way.
0: And on that, it's actually a really wonderful Moment when you are explaining sort of the considerations on the question that they have, because it's not just a learning process for you as a lawyer when you've come up with the answer, the solutions, or the reasons why this cannot work for whatever reason, but it's also a learning process for them. That's why I really enjoy being in-house because I'm not just around lawyers all the time. I'm around different business people in the company that are also teaching me about their areas and their functionalities within the company too. So you're sort of half lawyer, half business partner, and also getting to learn different functions within the company while getting to still practice law.
1: How do you think empathy manifests as a whole or helping move forward the product?
0: In law and fostering innovation in-house, there are so many different opinions on different products, different policies on different items that are coming through in the company. With all the cooks in the kitchen, you as an empathetic leader in law can help drive that success by reining in all the opinions, by understanding and approaching the the problem with a solutions-oriented mind. You are trying to understand what the other individual and ex-team is trying to say in order to drive success in in X product. That's why empathy goes across everything that we do. To me, as a lawyer in-house, it just plays a different type of nuance because we are consumed by problems every day. We are consumed by different opinions, timelines, priorities. And so that empathy also drives your communication style. And that communication style helps drive success because you are able to really understand everyone else who's in that problem together with you.
1: Would you say that empathy has always lived within you? I believe so. I think that's what's led my success and
0: sort of my trajectory post-law school. Everyone has it. It's sort of how much you use it in your everyday life and how much you sort of consider it
1: and want to bring that out in your work. It seems as though, based on everything that I see about figs, that this is a company where you're not the only one feeling that way? How do you use empathy to find the job for you?
0: Yeah, you know, I have to say, so we could talk about this in a, in a different question, but I love LinkedIn. It's my favorite thing in the world. Me but, too. Um, Me it's, too. Right, it's it's, it's so incredible. It's, it's so good in terms of, I feel like we should be spokespeople for LinkedIn because of how incredibly powerful it is in terms of networking. But thankfully, I was able to get a lot of my jobs through connecting myself with individuals in the field. This came through a referral of a friend who works at Goop and works in the same building as as FIGS. But empathy is FIGS. What we do every single day is for our healthcare workers, which we've tokened as our awesome humans, because we want them to feel amazing every day that they're saving lives, right? Why shouldn't they feel comfortable? Why should they feel good and empowered in the, in the clothes that they wear? Just because their scrubs should not matter. and. Everything that every single person in that company does is driven through empathy, through innovation, through this complete compassion to help these wonderful, wonderful humans who are helping us every single day. We want to live in a world where we can create an impact, where we are driving success and helping and caring for these individuals more than anyone else. And having a bias towards action is really important. And that that all goes and plays into empathy, all of it
1: there was an article that was written of some social justice initiatives as well at FIGS. Can -hmm. you tell me about these initiatives and who played a role in that? And why is that important? Yeah, for me, social justice has always been a big part of my legal
0: career, even before law school. And I'm sure a lot of lawyers can attest to that. Social justice is behind all the work that we do because we are doing it for people. But to me, it's sort of impacted where I work. And Figs is without a doubt, a company that truly, it's all about social justice. I mean, we are always helping people. We're always helping healthcare professionals, but also the flip side is what are the initiatives that we can do that can bolster social justice as a whole? And so we have donated to multiple different organizations across the board. We have a Threads for Threads program, which Provides donations for scrubs and face masks and all of that to different organizations, not just here domestically, but internationally. And one of the more exciting social justice projects that I've gotten to work on has been our New Icons grant program, which provided $50,000 to five individuals in healthcare that were changing the game. And we just got to see some incredible work across the board. It was so hard to narrow it down to five. I mean, how do you do that? It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy, but we did, we had to, and we were able to give $50,000 towards their debt and change someone's life because they've been changing so many other people's lives and paid forward. And so that's just one example of social justice that we've done outside of the donations that we do constantly. And we do have an internal culture committee, which I get to sit and be part of, which I absolutely adore and love. And we have a specific organization every single month that we want to donate to or that we do work with, whether it's mental health, Black History Month, Asian Pacific Awareness Month you name it. Talk to me about
1: this committee for a second. Is this an employee-led
0: committee? Yeah, exactly. And it's really cool. It's completely um, employee-led. We have amazing leaders that'll help build the task forces every month, depending on the specific issue or subject matter. We'll have a mini task force that will help hone in the different strategic initiatives that are happening for that month to get everybody involved. And it's always discussed during our team meetings. And Every month, there's some really exciting stuff, whether it's for mindfulness and wellness, whether it's, like I mentioned, for Black History Month or whichever is happening that month, all employees will get their hands on and start to do something. And that's what we're all about.
1: I want to ask you one more question about FIGS, and then I want to take a step back and learn a little bit about your whole journey to get to this point today. So FIGS recently went public. Yes. Talk to me about... As much as you can about what what does it look like to be an in-house attorney at a time when a company is going public?
0: It's really exciting. Going public is really a testament to all the employees and all the passion that lives within FIGS to get this going. And having been in so many startups, that's always sort of the dream, right, of going public. I was just a small part. I mean, I we are a growing legal team. And I got to learn so much because it was such a foreign area of law in terms of my own corporate experience on what that meant and the level of work that was required and what needed to be done to go public. So I got to learn from some of the best lawyers, my two bosses, my leadership, and took a lot of work. But that magic of going public or the hope to go public drove us and drove our work to get to that point. But, yeah, I think any lawyer who has worked through this process can attest to the fact that it's a lot. and when you go public, there's another whole sort of gamut of things that you have to do, which is not easy, but it's a lot of fun. It's I know this is very broad strokes here, and I am sorry, I, to I get totally that. get it.
1: don't <laughs> don't worry. But it is an
0: incredible feeling to finally get to be part of something like that. And it is a testament to everybody at Biggs
1: who got that going. So
0: it's definitely a milestone on my resume for sure. I mean, you were
1: able to see firsthand and be part of that that whole process.
0: Absolutely. I'm still learning every day. There's still so much to learn, but absolutely. It was a really cool experience.
1: So let's talk about how it all began. Because you have a lot of really interesting experiences throughout your career. What did you go into law school wanting to do?
0: No idea. I knew I wanted to go to law school. I am not going to sit here and say that I wanted to do it for, you know, social justice or whatever. I mean, of course, that was a part of it. Let's be honest. To kill a mockingbird is everybody's inspiration at some point, And you want to do some good and law, you think is that way to do it. Which after law school, I don't think is the only way, but it was a great investment from my end. But I really had no idea. I just knew that, okay, law school just was going to open a bunch of doors for me in whether it would, would be working at a law firm, whether it was policy. But I think the problem with law school is that it becomes a question of what's the job that you get? Right? Like what do you land in? Yep. And that job then determines the rest of your career. Right. Yes. So if you're if you're now getting a, a job at a big law firm and you are now an MA, right? You are now in that position and in that department. And now you're probably gonna stay in MA for quite some time before you break out or maybe you continue it. And so for me, I kept my eyes open realistically and was like, let's just see what the world wants me to be in and and what the universe is telling me, as cliche as that is, and just roll with the punches. But no, I did not have an idea of what I wanted to do pre-law school.
1: I think you touched upon something that is so true, where there are so many of us that go to law school and are like, I, I believe in the law. I believe in the power of it. I have no idea how that manifests for myself after graduation. And then, yeah, depending on what job you get can determine... Rethink. Everything. And then it can become difficult to change. Yeah. So what was your first job out of law school?
0: I was a recruiter. So I actually, I was international law school. I went to University of Sydney. I did my undergrad at University of Toronto. I'm Canadian and worked in policy for a couple of years before I had published a paper that had led me to Sydney and I never wanted to leave. And so it turned out that they were ABA approved, so it just made sense that if I came back, that I was able to write the bar and and do all of that fun stuff to practice here. It was one of the best experiences of my life, and I can't wait to go back to Sydney.
1: Why was it the best?
0: I just loved the law school. I loved the people I met, the friends I made. I mean, it's such a different world. It's just a grad school is just a different world altogether. And I'm also obsessed with Sydney as a city generally. And so getting to do my law school in a city that I absolutely adored just kind of added a different level to my experience. And I got to do a lot of international law work, which I don't know if I would have done elsewhere and got to be part of student politics. It was just all really a great time. But then reality hit and I ended up moving to Los Angeles for my fiance at that time. And being a Canadian, I had a visa issue and I also had a job issue because who's going to hire someone from an international law school in what 2013-2014 that didn't do school here? I mean, we already have so many lawyers in the United States. Like how can I stand out from the host of many, many lawyers, especially because I graduated at a time that graduation
1: wasn't really, it's not the same timeline. What do you mean it's not the same timeline?
0: So we graduate in January, whereas it's June because the summer is flipped Mm. um, in the South. So I finished in January of 2014, whereas everybody was graduating in American schools in June or May. So that's the complication that I had.
1: So, yeah. So you're graduating in January. People aren't really looking to hire until June. So you're in this spirit in between stage.
0: And I already had taken out the one ounce because I had talked to so many law firms and no one was hired because a lot of them are hired through their second, like their clerkship program. And I had done my clerkship in, in Australia. So no one's like, yes, I could have gotten a job in Australia, but I wanted to move back to the States or North America. So going back to the power of LinkedIn, I used excuse my language, the crap out of LinkedIn and connected with every single person. I just made a list of companies that I wanted to work for and reached out to almost, I think I still have my stats, about 560 something people on LinkedIn send connects and out of all of that, I think I received and little cold emails, like cold call emails. What did messages. What did
1: they say? I'm very curious. This is really great for people, by the way, like law students, people that are graduating right now. I really want the future leaders to hear this because this is so important. <laughs> what were you saying? I
0: pretty much just, I didn't go in with the whole, I want a job. It was more, I want to learn about your work. I want to learn about what you do in your everyday life as a lawyer at Disney or Discovery Channel or wherever it was that I was applying for. And I will say, never stop hustling, even as a lawyer today. like I will continue to do that at Network, not just for jobs, but just to learn from people, and which is what you're really doing, Sigal, with this Lawyers for Lead, and I love it. And from that 500 Connects, I sent messages like, I just want to meet up for coffee. I would really appreciate getting to learn more about your work. And out of like 560-something, I had about over around 200 that connected back with me. Incredible! And in that, in two months, I went to over 65 coffees or lunches or drinks or meetings at people's offices. And I will tell you that it was the craziest experience because getting around in LA at that time, also Uber wasn't as big, was the best thing that I had ever done as crazy and as hard as it was and time consuming because it had built my network that I have today. And I didn't get a job from most of them, obviously. And it was unfortunate because a lot of it was Visa or a lot of people were not sponsoring at that time or their teams were full until a head of a recruiting company called me and I'm thinking it's for a job, but it was actually to be a recruiter for the company. And they're like, I think you'd be a great recruiter. Why don't you try it out? And I was like, well, I don't even know. And I had had done legal recruiting as a job during law school, but not for tech. And so I decided to take a chance, had nothing to do with the law. And for 16 months, I was a recruiter for tech startups. And that's what got me to my understanding of the Silicon world, which was growing so, so much at that time in 2014. And so I got to work with CTOs and, and chief product officers and CEOs of companies that were just building themselves. And I was just Enamored by the people, by the passion, by the perks that they were giving. (laughs) And then it led me to my first startup soon after that to be in their actual legal team, which was a really cool fintech company in 2015. And all is history from there.
1: That's incredible. I love, what did you say? Never stop the hustle. Never stop hustling. I never stop hustling. You really went all out. You put yourself out there, you reached out to 560 people. Yes. I still have my Excel sheet. It's crazy. That's amazing. Over 200 of those people connected with you and you went over 65 coffees or lunches. And to me, the amount that you must have learned, all the different types of law practices, the different types of opportunities, that in and of itself is so valuable. It truly is. It
0: was. And look, I didn't even have a job that was legal coming out of it, which is crazy. When you think about all that networking, and I came out with something that was completely the opposite. I wasn't even touching legal, except for maybe looking at contracts between the client and the recruiter. But I think taking the chance on that was the best chance I took because it led me to where I am today. And I've been in-house since law school. Like I never... I was just one of those lawyers that just didn't do the the law firm route, except for my clerkship programs. And I had to write the bar. And that was another wonderful and terrible (laughs) experience, (laughs) as you know. And so it's sometimes the chances that you take are not the chances that you want to take, but they lead you to where you are so grateful to be today.
1: Such wise words. So how long between when you started the connection process on LinkedIn to when you mm-hmm. got that recruiting job it was at the same time
0: so those 2 months i moved out here to los angeles january 2014 and i started i won't forget August, april 1st 2014 and so it took that much time for networking and and i had some time obviously before i started but i wanted to also give myself an a, a solid amount of time to do The networking, not just do it within two weeks and take the first job either. I mean, obviously, beggars can't be choosers, but at that time, I wasn't getting any momentum, anyways. But the first couple of weeks was just settling into a new city that I knew nothing about, knew nobody except for my now husband. But it was also just understanding that I wanted to really learn because I was in a completely different country. I didn't know what other areas of law there were and maybe understanding this from other people and what in-house meant because I knew what law firms were all about, but I didn't really understand the in-house thing. And government, I couldn't do. is was like a closed box for me because I wasn't a citizen. So I couldn't apply for, for government positions. So I was really kind of in this in-house world anyways, but it was a matter of the different types of companies, whether it was in the publishing space, whether it was in entertainment whether it was in tech, whether it was in e-commerce. And so understanding what those functionalities meant changes sort of the game as an attorney, although it's quite easy to jump in between. But I just wanted to learn. I wanted to hear from these lawyers like you're hearing today.
1: I love that. I think that drive to learn, right? That curiosity mm-hmm. coupled with that persistence. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of persistence. A lot of persistence, is is a really important formula.
0: It is. And you know, like I sit here, I don't want to sound preachy in any way. And it's not for everybody, right? I think for me, it was just this drive that I had to make something work because I was in a new city, but it's not comfortable, right? Like no one wants to cold call or cold email somebody that they have no idea who it is. And be okay with rejection. I think that's also a big part of it is whether it's in law or any other field, rejection has to play a role because you're not doing something if you're not getting rejected. And it wasn't easy. Like I had to get out of my shell and just tell myself every day that I'm going to be rejected 10 times today, but that's okay. It's going to happen. And it's unfortunate that the, the legal field is saturated. We have a lot of lawyers, but even with that many lawyers in our country, there are still so many creative ways to get positions or find out about positions. And a lot of them aren't even listed. Like how many times I had spoken to an attorney who was like, yeah, there's a role we just haven't posted it yet. And I would love to hire you, David Keb, but you don't have experience in because we need four plus years of experience or whatever, by the way, just on that tangent, when yeah. that happens, I used to ignore it all the time because That's why I wanted to get in front of somebody because I was like, I know it's four plus years of experience, but what you really need is someone who's just going to learn and work hard. And that's why doing that networking was even more important because you wanted to show that person that's not what they needed. They needed me. They needed somebody who can do the job. And that was the difference.
1: That's so powerful. You know, a lot of times people hire based on experience, thinking mm-hmm. that they can skip that learning curve. And that's the most important thing. We don't want to spend time training. We don't want to spend time with someone that doesn't know. Yeah. But really what I found in my experience, and I think this is what I'm hearing you say as well, is it's about the person. You get the right person, you get so much more out of that person long-term yeah, um, than you would save with that learning curve. And you can yeah. get someone that checks all the experience boxes, but you don't see how they can adapt to various situations that come their way, to curveballs, to how they interact with individuals, how hard they have to work when you really need them to, how empathetic they need to be when there's mm-hmm. other people to work with. So to me saying, you know what, you need me, regardless of your experience or requiring, let me show you why you need me. That exactly. is very, very, very powerful.
0: Yeah, exactly. And- I am so grateful to my first legal position because they did take a chance on me with someone from an international law school, like a recruiting background at that point. And a shout out to Janine Wright, who is one of the most incredible lawyers I know and is one of my biggest mentors. But she was the general counsel at Zest Finance at that time, now Zest AI. She's no longer there anymore. But she took a chance on me because I came and I was like, I will do this. It was a contract role. I knew that there was no guarantee that I was going to continue after three months, but I just went in there and was like, I don't care if it's starting from the bottom. I am going to prove to you that I will make an impact at this company and you need me in this team. And you'll be surprised that teams will create that role for you if you have shown up and you've made an impact in, in whatever way you can. And that was sort of the motivation that I had that I am glad that I came out of my shell for because I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for those small chances that people took, but also that persistence and that hustle. It's not easy to find. A, it's just not, you know, it's it, 100%.
1: It's not easy. Yeah. I really love that you mentioned mentorship. I think it's such an important part of a lot of people's stories, a lot of lawyers that I've spoken to. What do you think it is, and I know you can't speak for Janine, but now that you're in a situation where you are now today, let's say there's somebody that comes and says, please give me a shot. What do you think it is that you would see in an individual or that was seen in you to give people that, that chance?
0: It's that drive and that eagerness to learn. It really is because... Anytime someone reaches out to me for advice, I'm always there just because I was that person. And so I just have so much more sensitivity towards it. But as long as they're willing to put in the work, of Of course. course. But for me, I've been really enjoying getting to be a mentor to, to some individuals. But also, if someone comes to me with that eagerness to learn, there's nothing like it. Because that motivation and that drive and that ambition will drive success. And you feel good as a mentor. You feel good as someone who's hired that individual or who has helped that person because that's a reflection of your own self.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I truly believe that even if they don't necessarily have the exact experience, if they have some experience in, in certain things. But have the drive to learn and to pick things up quickly and have the empathy and the emotional intelligence. I mean, that's just a recipe for success in my books.
1: So, we're almost out of time, believe it or not. So, before we end, I wanted Good. to just ask you a few quick questions, if I can. For sure. What is the common misconception that you like to debunk about being an in house attorney, about being in the industry that you're in? Solid question, Sigal.
0: I will say it's got to be the fact that you can't change. Apps. I went from what recruiting to fintech to drone tech to consulting to corporate to e-commerce, and it's a misconception to think that you're stuck in one area of practice or one area of law. And mind you, there's obviously certain areas that you have to have experience in. I'm not saying that, but as an in-house counsel that's been able to move different industries, the skill set remains the same, and I think you can still explore different areas and different companies while bringing that toolbox with you. That's one misconception. And part of that is that don't be afraid to create something that you want for yourself because I've been blessed by wonderful bosses and mentors and and teams in-house where if there's something that I want to do, and it sounds so out of the ordinary, it may not even touch law, it may not even have anything to do with it, but I want to work on something just ask. People think that asking questions may not get you the results, or maybe it's just too much, or maybe it's not worth it. But I always say keep asking questions and keep trying new things because it changes the course of your own trajectory and your own skill set. But it's something that we get scared about. That a lot of people don't believe can happen. And I don't believe that's true at all. I think at least in my experience I've been able to see that play out very well and it's truly meant a world of a difference to my own skill set and who I am as a person today as a lawyer
1: yeah and it really comes back to when we started talking about you know you first get out of law school and you feel like whatever job you get like that's what's going to create your trajectory for a while and that it seems really hard to change but what you've shown is that it can be hard
0: but it's oh, not goodness. impossible
1: and that if you want it, go for it. Go for it. Just just ask the questions. Just do it. Just what do you do have it. to lose? Yeah. yeah. And like you said, don't be afraid of the 10 rejections that you might get.
0: A hundred percent. Because <laughs> it will happen. It's <laughs> yeah. inevitable, right? Yeah. It's, I think it helps build resilience, which is also an incredible trait to have as a person.
1: Great. Well, Davika, thank you so much for being here today. If anyone wanted to get in touch with you, how could they connect with you online?
0: Yeah. I mean, I already know what you're going to say. (laughs) LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, no, I always shout it from the rooftops, but LinkedIn for sure is the easiest. I would prefer LinkedIn is the best way.
1: LinkedIn it is. And I agree. It is a powerful, powerful tool. Thank you so much for all of your insights today and for sharing your story. And till next time. Thank you so much, Sigal. Thank you. to get the special offer. I've also linked it in the show notes. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.